0: Report. I'm Paul McGuire. On today's program, I want to move us forward into the dimension of perception. So by what I mean by perception is that every one of us are given a God-given series of sensory inputs. So let's let's just review a couple of them. What we can see with our eyes, what we can hear with our ears, our tactile senses, our touch, what we can smell, and Physical oriented senses. Now, the scientific revolution of the last several hundred years is built or has been built upon uh, this premise that if you can't see it, measure it, quantify it, define it scientifically through scientific proof. And scientific proof is that proof which exists above and beyond conjecture, theory, opinion, my opinion versus your opinion, It's, it's simply, um, it's not supposed to be opinion versus opinion. So if we take the theory of evolution as posed by Charles Darwin and the, let's call them what they are. Let's not, let's not pussyfoot around it. The militant secular humanists of which I used to be one, the militant, uh existentialists of, of which i used to be one the the militant people who who believe absolutely in their own arrogance they are steadfastly committed to the premise that all of life is based on one gigantic puzzle piece with zillions of pieces and we're supposed to use our intellect in reassembling the pieces each piece represents a fact or a perception, but but always the fact is to be measurable on a scientific basis. That means, according to science, not according to Paul McGuire or this guy or that girl or whatever, according to science, empirical science employs the empirical scientific method, which is just a fancy way of saying that empirical science takes a set of facts, measurements, data, uh, uh, all kinds of scientific measurements, and comes to what is supposed to be a scientific conclusion and On the basis of the scientific conclusion we we no longer have a theory; we now have hypothetically a scientific fact because true science has no room for opinions or theories. True science only can embrace quantifiable, measurable scientific facts. Um, and it's on that basis that we come up with our perception and view of reality. And this is critical. Now, what has happened in the last 60 years is that science has committed suicide. Major scientists have committed collective suicide as if they were part of their some cult. And when I say they've committed collective suicide, I simply mean this. They have collectively decided on an arbitrary basis, an arbitrary basis which, in fact, violates their major premises. They have decided to violate, violate, violate their their major premises and operate from within a system that is completely topsy-turvy, completely upside down. Where you're no longer um, discovering facts, equations, measurements, etc., you're simply, you know, flipping a coin. Case in point would be Charles Darwin's theory of evolution. Charles Darwin's theory of evolution is supposed to be based on scientific fact, scientific measurement. And you measure, theoretically, you're measuring the fossil records. As they go back thousands of years ago, and the scientific evidence of the fossil records is supposed to lead you into scientific truth, where you arrive, based on fact, uh, based on fossil records, you arrive at a, quote, scientific position, which allows you to move—this is so important—this allows you to move from scientific theory to scientific fact— and that's the whole way science should be conducted. but what we have today is and and don't think for a minute that what we have today is even microscopically less than what I just reviewed with you as to the nature of scientific fact. What we have today is the fact that modern science is ruled and run not by um, scientific opinion scientific. Theory is supposed to be ruled and run by a series of scientific measurements that come from supplementing sciences such as mathematics, measurements, uh, scientific and mathematical formulas, um, and an entire spectrum of scientific research, which is using technology, instruments, measurements. Uh, temperatures, uh, precise measurements in in lifespan, uh, precise measurements in uh, biological scientific detail, which are designed to lead us as scientists into a scientifically accurate conclusion. That is what science is supposed to be. So we take the theory of evolution. Now the theory of evolution is still called the theory of evolution. Because it is not the product of a strict adherence to scientific fact. It is nothing more than scientific theory that has been dressed up like the emperor has no clothes, and it has been dressed up to masquerade as a butt naked emperor pretending to be the embodiment of facts, when indeed that's not the case. So when Biologists and archaeologists and scientists of of every design and sort, when they scan the planet, which they have done very, very rigorously, when they have scanned the planet, when they have done archaeological digs going back thousands and thousands of feet underground, when they have undertaken archaeological digs deep, deep under the ocean or lakes or whatever when they have stood before the great pyramids and and taken apart and dismantled the great pyramids uh, and have found scientific evidence of ancient super civilizations and then finally after trial and error they have come up with a whole series of of scientific evidences regarding scientific super civilizations that give us very precise dates as to when a super civilization existed or didn't exist as when a super civilization discovered this technology or didn't discover this technology and the more data the more scientific information you have then theoretically the clearer and more and more precise scientific evidence you have that should theoretically give you a very high precision lens into what life, what society, what genetics, what energy sources, uh, et cetera, et cetera, were used in different periods of time. And so you have all these subsciences uh, measuring things with microscopes, microscopes and measuring uh, data. So the theory of evolution is called a theory because it does not ultimately rest on scientific fact, and it does not ultimately rest on uh, scientific evidence. You have uh, fossil records. Are Are they accurate fossil records? And then, let's say you see a paw print in the mud, or you see some kind of creature that looks like a cross between a little reptilian bird and a bird bird with feathers. But on closer examination, especially as we move into the future, on closer examination, we realize that this is scientific evidence. This is scientific genetic evidence that proves that uh, scientific theory through genetics, through the genetic code, through the integrity of what is, is left over in the genetic code, Scientific ev- evidence leaves behind an entire pathway of uh, a large spectrum of scientific proofs. And so you see as you dig deeper, whether you dig deeper underwater, as you do archaeology and you uncover a surface civilization, you dig deeper and then there's another surface civilization, you dig deeper even further and there's an even deeper uh, super civilization. And like sediment upon sediment, like layer upon layer, you discover that in ancient civilizations uh, there they are multi-layered archaeological civilizations, and you can see what kind of weaponry the people had, what they made their bricks out of, what they uh, built the pyramids out of, and by closer examination you learn a great deal. About the level of scientific and engineering engineering sophistication that was operative in that time. So, for example, when the the uh, pharaoh, uh, of which I name the pharaoh god king families, uh, and you'll see that in my books, I continue, continually use the phrase the pharaoh god king system, and it, refu- it refers to my theoretical uh, examination. That when you go back into ancient history, you'll see an entire network across the globe of super civilizations. Perhaps Atlantis, if indeed Atlantis existed, perhaps Atlantis was archaeological evidence of a super civilization. It is very possible that uh, ancient Atlantis was not merely a mythological super civilization, but that ancient Atlantis. Was indeed a viable super civilization that was able to incorporate highly sophisticated technology, science, physics, black physics, chemistry, alchemical magic, and all kinds of things. And in these super civilizations, as you dig deeper, you see that the super civilizations, whether it's the super civilization of ancient Egypt under the Pharaoh god king system, And consequently, with the pharaoh-god-king system, there was the parallel track of the uh, ancient economic system of um, the pharaoh-god-king system, the the ancient economic system of Mystery Babylon. And Mystery Babylon, the ancient pharaoh-god-king system, and the the empire that went with it, uh, brought to mankind... A highly, The world's first highly sophisticated one-world government, one-world religion, and one-world economic system that all rested on the foundation of um, a global economic system using a global instrument of currency that was not necessarily based <clears throat> on, on items of tangible value, such as such as the fact that ancient Babylon, their ancient economy, was not built or based on um, gold, necessarily, or silver, or jewels, or papyrus, which was a form of paper, or animal skin. Animal skin and papyrus were primitive forms of issuing a currency. So you would write down, hypothetically, $25, okay, and the idea was that this papyrus this animal skin with a numerical value uh this paper with a numerical value was supposed to represent um a piece of paper with with a promise with it and the promise was that uh for every piece of paper with a numerical value attached to it um there was supposed to be a corresponding amount of Paper money, that represented value, uh, real estate, uh, uh, gold, silver, land, deeds, and titles. And all of these things together combined, collectively, represented enormous wealth and power. And so perhaps the world's first, or one of the world's first super civilizations, ancient Babylon, rose up. Because the foundation of ancient Babylon was the the system of mystery Babylon, which was its foundation was built on um, a whole series of um, monetary units known as Mystery, mystery Babylon. But not only that, the consciousness. Now, this is critical. Christians don't understand this. The Luciferian elite do understand this. The globalist elite understand this. The globalist Luciferian elite understand this. And what they understand is that Mystery Babylon is a system of government based on the monetary and economic value of secrets, specifically secret super civilizations. So when an empire, when a super civilization like ancient Babylon, at the time of the Tower of Babel uh, built the Tower of Babel, built an economic system they built it upon a foundation so this is a critical truth to grasp what they built their their economic and military foundation on was uh the premise that they possessed secret, hidden occult knowledge that had enormous financial and economic value. So let's let's just replay that. What we learned from a study of Mystery Babylon is that Mystery Babylon represented a super civilization that derived its economic and military value and power from um, a super civilization in which secret occult societies, collectively known as Mystery Babylon, secret occult societies, controlled and ruled um, the empires of old because—this is critical—because they possessed secret knowledge, privileged uh, information, and they were able to monopolize this super civilization knowledge, and they were able to retain it for themselves, and exclude uh, the many other tribes and nations and civilizations. The super-civilizations deliberately excluded the, the uh, potential usurpers of their economic kingdoms. They blocked them off from reaping the rewards of their super-civilization. This is powerful stuff. So the secrets of mystery Babylon, and this is right here. We're going to cross over. We're going to cross over from what be what could be taught and understood as meaty, mediocre science, economics, and technology. We're, we're crossing over from mediocre science and technology, and we are now opening the floodgates. We are. Pre methodically opening up the floodgates of an infinite source of power, wisdom, value, and economic power, which is infinite and unlimited. And I'll say it again this economic power is infinite and unlimited. And so the way it works is that under the Mystery Babylon system, rulership power, kingship, the economic value of sorcerers and and sorcery, the economic value of kings and queens, the raw economic value of uh, Mystery Babylon religions, Mystery Babylon secrets. And by that, I mean Mystery Babylon was replenished with Super civilization technologies, super civilization alchemical magic, super civilization architecture, super civilization um, um, chemistry, super civilization futuristic science, and super civilization futuristic technology. Now, what this did to ancient Babylon or mystery Babylon, and what this did to, to super civilization technology. Is it propelled it? It functioned as a mathematical, occultic propulsion mechanism which artificially propelled the secrets of mystery Babylon far into the future and enabled it to harvest, if you will, uh, harvest a viable science and a viable technology, a viable medicine. Uh, from the future. So, the scientists and technologists of Mystery Babylon were able to to propel themselves into the future and bring back from the future uh, an astonishing amount of wealth and treasure. And here's the most important part. They were able to bring back from the future an astonishing amount Of super wealth, super riches, super technology, uh, super futuristic weaponry, and so on and so forth. And that's power. That's power on a level that that is just beyond anything the human mind can imagine. Okay. Okay, so what does this mean? We now move thousands and thousands of years from Ancient Mystery Babylon. This is my brand new book, Power From On High. You need to read Power From On High. The reason you need to read Power From On High, and if you order it right now, you get a financial discount on Power From On High, and you learn something. This is the culmination of about 40 years of research. It's my 38th book. This book, Power From On High, is a game changer. The reason it's a game changer is because the Bible very clearly states, my people perish for lack of wisdom or vision or knowledge. So God's people, the Jews and the Christians, perish for a lack of knowledge, a lack of vision, et cetera, et cetera. Now, in every ancient super civilization, what we saw play out was a Synchronosity or a mixture of highly advanced science, technology, futuristic weaponry, futuristic mathematics, and then you had this very upper class, upper tier group of scientists, futurists, alchemical magicians who who They weren't just putzing around. They they had enormous, enormous uh, global-changing, world-changing technology and futuristic science. And everywhere you look in the ancient world, you see evidence of this. So going back thousands and thousands of years, we see two competing systems. We see people that were serving the living God which would have been the Jews and and the children of Israel and the governments of the children of Israel. And they were God and the Jews. They were uh, an example of God's super civilization, super civilization. And their government, their mathematics, their laws, their biology, they had such an enormous warehouse of wisdom and knowledge and everything from Joseph going to counsel uh Pharaoh and supernaturally interpret the dreams of Pharaoh uh right before the the you know 7 years of drought come and then the 7 years of plenty come and God supernaturally instructed Egypt to counsel Pharaoh and God supernaturally instructed Egypt to teach the children of Egypt and the surrounding nations and to teach uh, the children of Pharaoh and the children of the Jews, God supernaturally downloaded into um, uh, the children of Israel's uh, technology and science. He downloaded into their culture, their science, their minds, and their engineers a supernatural enhancement, a supernatural enhancement which allowed them to to rapid fire. The the building of gigantic warehouses, the the, the building of gigantic underwater tunnels to replenish the the, the stocks in the wheat and the corn, the the underwater building of massive, thousands of square miles of massive underground transportation centers were all built under the scientific, futuristic sophistication of Egypt and the supernatural knowledge that God gave to the Jews and gave to uh, ancient Egypt. So you have, to, you have to use your imagination. What intellectual, scientific inventions were turned out in great skill and great speed What supernatural inventions were turned out, one after the other, that enabled the Pharaoh, that enabled Egypt, that enabled the people of Egypt to triumph and overcome over the successive droughts, which God supernaturally enhanced the perception of um, Joseph. He enhanced Joseph's perception so Joseph could see what needed to be done which meant practical things like the building of massive structures. Now, there's debates as to whether or not, what kind of massive structures they built. There's debates up until this day. Some people say it was just massive structures to protect the wheat, the corn, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, from rodents and mice and stuff like that. Well, that's partially true. That's partially true. But it was also, these were massive structures that were also built Inside of pyramid structures, these were massive structures that were built inside of pyramidical structures that were designed to supernaturally protect the the wheat, the grain, the water, uh, damage from rodents and animals eating their food supply and Not only that, God gave uh, Joseph the supernatural ability as he said in the Word of God. See, all of this was promised to God's people in the Word of God. So God said to his people, he said to Joseph, whatever you put your hand to, I will prosper. That's mind-blowing. Whatever you put your hand to, I will prosper. And so God used Joseph to supernaturally multiply the assets, the granary production, the wheat production, the corn production, and all the other food production uh, uh, technologies. He supernaturally enhanced all of that. And then, again, through a system of thousands and thousands of miles of deep underground transportation systems with deep underground boats uh, that the, the Egyptians used, these boats covered thousands of square miles and they brought food, they brought military supplies, they brought all kinds of things to sustain sustainable development. We hear about that all the time. Let me tell you something the difference between the sustainable development happening today in America and around the world is what I would call Ozo the clown sustainable development versus viable, aggressive, productive. Yeah, you better believe it, it really works sustainable development produced by the egyptians and their scientists etc so sophisticated was their technology that the underground pumping system of the egyptians pumped at a specific emf or a specific electromagnetic frequency known as the earth's pulse frequency so the entire food supply the water supply the entire frequency Of the ancient Egyptians was powering the ancient Egyptian technology at a specific electromagnetic frequency known as the Earth's frequency, um, which resonated with the same frequency as the Earth's pulse, which I believe, as my memory uh, uh, reminds me, I believe the Earth's pulse was 7.83. Hz. So 7.83 HZ was the Earth's pulse, and the technological feeding system for the Egyptian empire worked in synchronization with 7.83 HZ, the Earth's pulse frequency, also a healing frequency, also a frequency that, that caused the maximum production for the Egyptian scientists. Okay, so let's place something on the table here. The Egyptian wizards, sorcerers, alchemists, food production, clairvoyance, you have to understand that the ancient Egyptian super-civilizations, the ancient Egyptian Egyptian, uh, pyramidal-shaped structures like the Tower of Babel, They all functioned on synchronized electromagnetic frequencies. And they stepped way into the future. They stepped way into the future like our scientists today are stepping way into the future. And they stepped way into the future by integrating and incorporating the science of the future, the technology of the future, with the science and technology that was cutting edge in its time. This is critical. The ancient super-Egyptians, they were able to integrate and incorporate uh, technological science, technological farming, technological pumping, technological water distribution, technological water purification, technological agriculture growth and many, many other enhancements of spectacular Garden of Eden-like replenishments of water and soil and food and everything else. So, So the people that pioneered the ancient Egyptian scientific and futuristic technologies, these ancient Egyptian scientists were a combination of futuristic scientists, futuristic technologists, People who used futuristic technology and science at the highest levels combined with, sitting at the same table with, highly advanced futuristic technology, futuristic science, futuristic waterways, futuristic medicine, futuristic astrology, futuristic electromagnetic frequencies, and futuristic technologies operating at the highest, highest level the highest, highest level. And so these guys and girls not didn't just operate on natural human ability, they operated on supernatural human ability, supernatural human ability that propelled them way into the future so that they could deliver technology and sciences that produced unbelievable food production unbelievable physical mental psychological healing that that it was beyond anything the world has ever seen the complexity of the of the egyptian um you know gigantic pyramid structures the the vast underwater pumps uh the vast underwater networks of waterways and then the shrewdness and business like acumen of Egypt and the Jews. So, what what did Egypt and the Jews do? They recognized through their calculations that they were going to have an enormous surplus of food, of grain, that they were going to have far more than they needed uh, uh, when it came to food and water and medicine and survival and buildings. That they would have way beyond what they needed. And so, what they did is they um, they multiplied their wealth through intelligent planning, economic forecasting, and scientific predictions. So what this means is they took what they had, and they understood that all the empires, all the armies of all the mighty nations surrounding the mighty Egyptian empire, they were all losing food, losing money. They were all being depleted in their resources in a serious serious manner and so what joseph proposed as he visited these other nations and empires in his mighty chariot with his mighty armies he would personally visit the chariots and the armies of the competing empires all around egypt and so what happened was joseph made a deal he said okay if you will sell your land to us the egyptian empire we will gladly trade you uh your land we'll buy your land because we have we have an infinite amount of food supply we have an infinite amount of military armies an infinite amount of granaries by which to store our food we have food you know that'll last us a thousand years so then Egypt. So, so, so they proposed to these nations around um, Egypt, these other nations. They said, "Look, let's make a deal. Sell us all of your acreage. Sell us all of your physical land and all the other structures that that we want. Sell it to us at a very cheap price because we know you're desperate to sell your 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 land, your buildings." You're desperate to sell it for uh, food, for granary, for water, for medicine, for food supplies. And so they were stuck in a, in a position, and they jumped on it. They gladly, these foreign empires gladly sold all their food, all their supplies, all their inventory, uh, all their grain. They gladly sold it at a very high low price to the Egyptian armies, and they did just that. They sold hundreds of millions of dollars of money back then, hundreds of millions of dollars in Egyptian food, Egyptian supplies. They sold hundreds of millions of dollars uh, to the Egyptian empire in return for the badly needed grain and water, et cetera, et cetera. And And so what this did is this maneuver uh multiplied the the it multiplied exponentially the uh wealth the power the income the acreage, and the land mass of the the mightiest empire in human history the egyptian pharaoh god king system became the mightiest empire in human history because they had the power to sell their excess food at, you know, incredibly high prices to the surrounding nations. And so this caused the Israelites to prosper, and it caused the Jews to prosper, and the Jews became a feeding basket to the world, and the Jews uh, became a storehouse of plenty to the world, And all the Egyptians and their occult gods, they were all very interested in learning the spiritual teaching of the Jews and learning all about the God of Israel. So, what happened? Okay. This is important. What happened? What happened was... What happened was that... um, God repeats himself throughout history. So one of the most essential truths in history was found in in the fact that the Jews sold their land. um, Excuse me, the Jews sold their, their food for land and expanded their empire. Now, here's what we have to learn. The reason the Jews prospered, the reason Egypt prospered, is they were operating in synchronization with the covenant of God. They were operating in sync with the plan of God. God's plan for his people is never to hoard, always to share your wealth, and so other people might be saved and delivered. That is the plan of God because it comes from the heart of God. You see, all the other gods are pagan gods and cruel and mean and child-sacrificing. The heart of God is a God of love, agape love. It's a God that serves. Now, track with me here, and if you'll you'll embrace this truth that I believe that the Holy Spirit is placing in your hands right now at this moment, I believe the truth that the Holy Spirit is placing in your hands at this moment, if you will receive it by faith and, and meditate it and understand it and practice it, it will indeed revolutionize your life based on the principles of Joshua and Daniel. So here it goes. Daniel performed a similar operation of blessing <clears throat> to the empire of Babylon, okay, by interpreting the dreams uh, of uh, the king of Babylon. Now, here we are, and what we've learned throughout history, is that when any nation is truly a Christian nation, they always have a heart for feeding the hungry, clothing the poor, bringing water, bringing medicine, bringing food supplies to people. That is how the people of God are supposed to act in any environment, always. So, w- w- where does that bring us? The difference between the communists, the Marxists, and the other satanic ideological systems which are all about selfishness, greed, mass slaughter, turning people into slaves, shooting them by the millions. Look what the communist leaders. Who were the communist leaders theologically? Open your eyes. They were Satanists. The communist Marxist leaders of of, uh, of the communist Russians and the communist Chinese and so on and so forth, they were cruel. They were ruthless. And they shot and killed people they should have been feeding and taking care of. That is the legacy of godless satanic communism. You have to know that because that's the way it is. Now, when America was still under the the tremendous influence of the biblical pilgrims and Puritans, they operated with a Christian ethos which means the Christians in the time of the Pilgrims and Puritans gave food, gave the training of agriculture. Despite what you've heard, the the, the Christians treated the Indians, the true Christians, not the fake Christians, the true Christians clothed and took care of the Indians and were merciful and were kind and provided medicine. No, that's not fiction. That's fact, historical fact. The true Christians, the true Christians who were slave owners, treated their slaves with kindness. They fed them. They didn't rape them. They treated them as they would treat their own selves. Critical, critical, very critical. So, as time went on, the Pilgrims and Puritans, it proved out that the Pilgrims and Puritans were deep, dedicated, God-fearing, Bible-believing Christians who were born again, had a supernatural relationship with Jesus Christ, practiced the kingdom principles of the Bible, and as such, because their hearts were right and their hearts were good, God supernaturally multiplied <clears throat> their resources, their food, uh, and they, God supernaturally multiplied every area of their life so they could feed and help the Indians and everybody else. That's not fiction, that's a fact. So what happens? So what happens is the pilgrims and Puritans, they were studying the word. They practiced the word. The entire American economic system, geopolitical system, governmental system, educational system, in the beginning, the entire American system of governance was in the beginning built with deep roots into the Bible and biblical truths never forget that the 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 springing up of the blessing of god upon america happened entirely because the pilgrims and puritans followed god and put god first how did they do that the pilgrims and puritans studied and devoured the scriptures uh that taught them how to replicate the supernatural uh uh replication that god made With the pilgrims and Puritans. The pilgrims and Puritans, because they studied the Word of God day and night, replicated the laws of reciprocity, the laws of supply that the pilgrims and Puritans learned from their intensive study of the Word of God written about in the Old Testament and the New Testament, passages of Scripture like uh, Deuteronomy 28, the, 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 the covenant of the blessings and curses. Now, this is critical. This is critical. This is everything. This is survive and thrive or be sentenced to a living hell, be sentenced to a living hell and live in poverty, slavery, and live under the very real wrath of a totalitarian regime that will oppress you, steal your money from you, forbid you to practice your Christian and biblical religion, and every dream you have everything you want to pass down to your children will be robbed and stolen from you without mercy because you turned your back on the Lord your God. And that's where we are right now. I pray in the name of Jesus that the power of the Holy Spirit would back up my words to the degree that they're anchored in the truth of the Bible and the Word of God. And I pray in the name of Jesus that as I speak these words of life to you, life to you because they will deliver you and impart freedom. As I speak these truths of life to you, I pray that the power of God would break asunder all the the blockages and adversities that would attempt to come against us. So let's move up in the next. Level of God's supernatural. And God's provision is supernatural, by the way. So, God wants his people, that's you and I, the pilgrims and Puritans studied the covenant that God made with Abraham and the children of Israel and the disciples of God. And the children of Israel replicated that, duplicated that, and they did what God told them to do. God told the the children of Israel what to do, how to prosper in good times and bad times. And when God's people obeyed God and did what God told them what to do in good times and bad times, they prospered beyond their wildest dreams. It was so prosperous that we had the American dream. And the blessings of God were poured out to such an extent that they overflowed the people of God. The rivers of living water flowed out of our inmost being and replenished our land, our crops, our weather, defeated our enemies, held back diseases. All of this is real. When I was writing my book, Power From On High, and studying, you need to get this book. It's uh, 400-something pages. It's 413 pages. get this book along with the Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World and the other books. This book, Power from on High, will, will, will teach you how the pilgrims and Puritans walked in the detonation, which means the, the, the detonation, the explosive, dunamis, dynamite power of the Holy Spirit, which explodes and, and, and eradicates the strongholds that would attempt to block the blessing of God that he wants to pour out on his people. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us.